is that three shots is. You get a 25-fold increase in antibodies, and you retain the spots on the T cells that attack the virus. So that's really positive news, that it can blunt the infection, no hospitalizations, and hopefully no serious illness. Pfizer says it hopes to have an Omicron-specific shot ready by March. Britain's prime minister is taking flack over a COVID-era holiday party. For days, Boris Johnson insisted all COVID guidelines were followed when his top aides gathered close to Christmas last year, even though Christmas parties were banned at the time. Now, a tapes surface showing aides joking about it, forcing a prime ministerial apology. I was also furious to see that clip. Johnson continues to insist he didn't know about the party, but bereaved families are leading calls for him to resign. Vicki Barker, CBS News, London. Police in France say they've released a man they arrested yesterday in the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. The Paris General Prosecutor's Office says he turned out not to be someone wanted in Turkey in connection with the death of the Saudi critic three years ago. French media reports say his name is identical to that suspect. Closing arguments are scheduled to begin today in the case of former Empire actor Jussie Smollett. Reporter Charlie DeMar is in Chicago. The jury is expected to get the case today after closing arguments and will determine if the 39-year-old is guilty of six felony counts of disorderly conduct. Smollett insists he did not stage a racist anti-gay attack on himself to get publicity. There's a problem for skiers hoping to shush down the slopes in Colorado this Christmas. Virtually no snow. Correspondent Mark Strassman's in Steamboat Springs. We're in December, and yet today's temperatures are supposed to be in the low 40s. Too little snow, too much warm weather have added up. Colorado's in the middle of its longest snow drought in decades. High-tech tags that help you find your stuff are also helping car thieves. CBS's Jim Crisula explains. The $29 Apple AirTag devices designed to help people keep track of belongings are being used to steal expensive cars. According to police in Ontario, Canada, thieves are placing the devices on the luxury rides while they're parked in public places, and they then track the vehicles to the unsuspecting victim's residence. S&P futures are up 7, Dow futures ahead 52. This is CBS News. If you're checking for fever, the leading sign of COVID-19, beware of dangerously inaccurate non-contact thermometers. Instead, learn about Exergen at exergen.com. I usually start my day with a Vicks Vapo shower. <sighs> Surrounding myself with soothing Vicks vapors prepares me for a busy day. After all that, I fill the tub and slip into a soothing Vicks Vapo bath to unwind. <sighs> the start and the end of my day, perfect. The middle part needs work. Look for Vicks Vapo Bath and Vicks Vapo Shower in a store near you. I'm Dr. Stork. Doesn't your family deserve the best? Eggland's Best Eggs, classic, cage-free, and organic, give you and your family more. More delicious, farm-fresh taste, plus superior nutrition. Compared to ordinary eggs, Eggland's Best provides six times more vitamin D, 10 times more vitamin E, and 25% less saturated fat. These are no ordinary times, so why choose an ordinary egg? Only Eggland's Best. Better taste, better nutrition, better eggs. Relax. Your body will thank you. Researchers at Yale have found that stress speeds up the chemical changes in a person's DNA. So chronic stress can actually accelerate aging. And even worse, it can be a trigger for disease. Experts say continuous stress can lead to higher risk of heart disease, addiction, mental health disorders, and obesity-related disorders like diabetes. Stress can also drain a person's ability to control their emotions and think clearly. The best solution? Researchers say just relax which is obviously easier said than done, but it can make you feel better and live longer. Monica Ricks, CBS News. Guess whose story is coming to Broadway? I love your daughter. There is nothing I wouldn't do to try to keep her as happy as she was the day I met her. Producers tell Variety Sydney will bring actor Sydney Poitier's life story to the great white way. He is 94 years old now. Clearest possible Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News.
Ad paid for by CompleteCar.com. This is a special alert to all Americans who own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles with an auto warranty about to expire or with no warranty coverage at all. Due to the COVID crisis, we are announcing a low-cost extended service plan that is now available to the public to save any driver out-of-pocket expenses on auto repairs. Call now to find out how you can pay nothing for auto repairs. Yes, you heard that correctly. Pay nothing for auto repairs. An open phone line has been established for all drivers to call for a free quick quote. Call 800-549-1985 now. Drivers who are covered by this auto protection will not have to pay for a covered repair bill again. This auto coverage is at an all-time low, much lower than what dealerships are charging. Additionally, drivers who activate this auto coverage today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and free rental car at no additional cost. Call for your free quick quote today. 800-549-1985. 800-549-1985. What do you have to lose? Again, 800-549-1985. Difficulties with everyday tasks, words and numbers, confusion in familiar environments, memory loss, and changes in behavior. These are all signs of dementia. Athens County Cares wants to create a dementia-inclusive Athens County and empower adults living with cognitive decline through a holistic program which safeguards their dignity and independence while improving their and their caregivers' quality of life. Pick up the phone and call 740-594-3535 or visit AthensCountyCares.org to learn more. You think buckling up is a personal choice? That it doesn't hurt anyone else? You would be wrong. Your choice could shatter the lives of your family, friends, and everyone you know. That's why we enforce seatbelt laws to save lives. Think about that every time you drive. Buckling up isn't just a good idea. It's a choice between surviving a crash or not. Make sure you and everyone in the vehicle buckles up every time. Click it or ticket. Paid for by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Daily reports of the stock market's close. Tune in at 5.30 tonight on WATH to stay informed about your money. The stock market report is brought to you by Goldsberry Wealth Strategies, serving Athens County since 2005. The Goldsberry Wealth Strategies stock market report airs exclusively in Athens County on 970 WATH weekdays at 5.30 immediately after our local newscast. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services are offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Advisors, Inc. Goldsberry Wealth Strategies is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. These days, we're all doing a lot more virtually, which is why at Ohio Health, we've expanded our virtual care options and availability to make it even easier to get safe expert care at home. That includes virtual visits with over a 1,000 trusted providers in every medical specialty. Learn more about our virtual health options at ohiohealth.com slash virtual health. Hello, everybody. My name is Carrie Knabel from Bickle Insurance Services, and we have teamed up with Leticia Jeffers with the Natural Freedom Wellness Center for our third annual coat drive. Please join us in collecting winter coats and winter essentials for the members of our community in need. We are accepting donations until December 20th, and our drop-off location is the Bickle Insurance Athens office, which is located 84 Columbus Circle, Athens, Ohio, and we are open 8.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Monday through Friday. We look forward to seeing your wonderful faces and thank you for helping us warm up our community we're a farm store a family store a look what i found store we're a store made for real people and some real beasts we're a hey neighbor kind of store and an everyday low price store we're rural king and we're working hard to be your favorite store Make sure you get over the valley and through the woods this holiday season with Providence Green Antifreeze. Just $2.99 after rebate. Limit two per household. Now through December 31st. In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H-F-N's. Well, I was expecting to see some snowflakes, maybe. Didn't see a one. Except on cars passing me on the highway. Some of them uh, had a fair amount of snow on them. Hey, we got a special edition today. Longtime friend Rich Vetter joins us.
been a long time since we've had him in the uh, on the uh, in the studio here. So we're going to pretend we haven't ever had him before, and make sure that everybody uh, knows of his uh, background and all that sort of thing. Rich Feder, good morning. Hey, it's great being with you, Dave. Uh, thank you, and uh, likewise. Now. Um, some of these things, like I, I know when we've had you in before over the years, um, we've asked you, but it's been long enough that we need to do it again. Where were you raised? I was born and raised in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, university town in the middle of the cornfields of Illinois. And um, the, um, do you have family still living there? Uh, sort of, yes. Uh, my father was a newspaper publisher there. No kidding. And, uh, yeah, my family's been in the kind of the same business you've been in, and including some uh, radio TV uh, operations. Really? Uh, but it, mainly in the newspaper business. My brother, who is a little younger than I am, just retired a couple, three years ago as a newspaper publisher in Venice, Florida. Hmm. And... Uh, was involved down there. So I've been kind of in the same, roughly speaking, <laughs> the same yeah. racket that you're in. <laughs> a racket is a, a good term. The um, now, now, think back as a kid or, or a young man. What were some of your early interests? Well, I was never a great athlete. I was kind of a nerd mm -hmm. as a kid. I was the sports editor in my high school newspaper. I had a, a young assistant editor who went on to be somewhat well-known, named Roger Ebert, who became a yes. well-known uh, TV critic and movie, especially movie critic for the Chicago Tribune and other places. Um, and uh, so I was kind of interested in that. And when I went to college, you know, I studied the standard stuff, uh, and I, but I got interested in economics, and I went to grad school uh, in my hometown, Champaign-Urbana, after doing undergraduate work at Northwestern University, uh, and uh, uh, decided I wanted to be a professor. The other option at the time was uh, chasing uh, men in pajamas around South Vietnam, uh, and uh, in the military, and that mm -hmm. didn't really appeal to me that much, so I decided I would rather become a professor, which at the time got an occupational deferment from the military. And, uh, and you, Do you recall your draft number? Uh, when they finally did the lottery, and it wasn't right away, I was actually alone. I was a high number, which is a good number. I had a 310, I think. I was 156. So uh, I managed to avert that, and I had an occupational uh, yeah. deferment because yeah. sure. I came to OU in 65, and uh, for a number of years, every year my dean would have to write a letter to the draft board saying I was vital to the... Uh, national security of the United States, and that worked till I was too old and had too high of a number anyway for the draft, so I made it through. There you go. Well, um, you know, Northwestern University and then the University of Illinois, um, you got your doctoral degree in economics. Right. We use that term so much, and yet it can mean so much more. Define yeah. it from your point of view, well, economics. Well, that's that's right, Dave. Uh, the basic human problem is people want more things in life than are available. Our resources are not adequate to meet all of our needs. So the basic human problem is one of scarcity. Now, scarcity means a different thing to uh, Warren Buffett than it does to a person living, say, in a mobile home camp in Appalachia. Mm. Uh, there it has different implications and means something still different in uh, sub-Saharan Africa where their people are on the brink of starvation. 
But we all face having to make choices. What are we What are we going to do with our resources? What can we do? What can't we do? And there's some things we can't buy. We can't buy etern- uh, life forever, for example. It's no one can live forever, at least at the moment. So uh, we all have to make choices, and economics is about that decision-making process. And, of course, also because we organize ourselves in large groups by forming governments, we have national problems or problems for the group of people that tend to identify with one another, Mm -hmm. people of the same nations. So we have problems like unemployment or because we need a mean of ways of transacts selling goods and services that's efficient we've come up with something called money pieces of paper that we somehow accept as having a lot of value well the number of those pieces of paper makes a difference uh, as to what the prices of goods are so we for right now for example one issue that's growing in discussion appropriately so, I think, is inflation. Prices seem to be going up. Uh, And why are they going up? Well, that's one of many issues that economists look at. Why are people, some people unemployed and other people not unemployed? And so there's a lot of interesting issues, and I've always found those fascinating. So I came to work at OU, where I have been I occasionally run off and go to other places and do uh, things. I've taught at other universities. I've worked for the Congress of the United States. I've uh, uh, traveled in dozens of different countries and done work for the State Department and for others I can't even discuss here on the air. Right. Uh, but so I've uh, you know had a full life and I'm happy with it. Well, excuse me, Um, you know, you've gone through in your lifetime some ups and downs in terms of the national economic scene. Uh, We're we're in a critical one now. I agree. Um, When you look back at the other times, what is it that has caused it to be corrected? Well, that is the fascinating question, is when you have problems, when you fall into despair of some sort, economic despair, people out of work, uh, high prices, people discontent, what is the correcting mechanism? A lot of times it's the invisible hand of the market, as we say. That is, it is the interaction of people buying and selling things that lead to changes in prices that, for example, right now, uh, gasoline has become more expensive uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, There are too many dollars chasing too few goods. Uh, People are starting to drive again more. Uh, there's been uh, refineries that have been closed. There are political issues involved here. Pipelines being closed down. They decided not to finish the Keystone Pipeline, for example. Well, you say big deal. Well, it is a big deal because it means we have less uh, gas and oil products. So uh, this is it's mostly a self-correcting mechanism. But we have gone through crises before, and we've worked our way out. Uh, I remember in the mid to late 70s uh, was kind of a glum period in some ways, I think, for America. Prices were rising. We had what was called stagflation. We had pretty high unemployment to boot. Uh, We talked about malaise. President Carter uh, even talked about uh, malaise. Uh, we got to turn the temperature down in the White House because we might not have enough gas and oil to heat ourselves. And uh, so that was kind of a, a dreary period. And uh, so we had some changes. Well, one of them was a political change. Ronald Reagan was elected. And he had a pretty cheerful disposition and uh, smiled a lot, told a lot of jokes. Uh, 
but he also uh, effected some policy changes that I think on the whole, you know, there will be some disagreement on this, but I think on the whole had a positive effect on the economy. The unemployment rate fell. Uh, the uh, inflation rate fell in time. It took a, a little while for this to happen. But by the mid and late 80s, we were doing well. We did pretty well in the 1990s, too, for the most part. Uh, and that was under both Republican and mainly a Democrat president, Bill Clinton. Uh, so uh, we oscillate up and down in terms of our national mood and in terms of our national achievement. I think in the last decade or so, uh, we have been moving more in a downward direction than an upward direction, uh, both in the terms of the economy, but in, the, in a broader social sense, rising crime, rising uh, uh, instances of, say, ch children being born out of wedlock. That's been a huge problem for decades, but it, it continues, and if anything, is growing more. And a whole host of other problems. Uh, some people who are of a different bent than I am, theologians and uh, religious people, will say the problem is people have lost faith. They just don't go to church anymore. And there's some evidence to back that up, too. Uh, people don't go to church as much as they did uh, 25, 50, 100 years ago. Uh, they don't pay as much attention to the Ten Commandments uh, as they once did. One of our, I used to joke, and maybe it's a little tasteless, I said one of our presidents believed in the Ten Commandments, except he wanted to amend one of the commandments about thou shall not commit adultery because he, he liked a bunch of young ladies and he wanted to have some fun with them. So uh, he said, let's amend the Ten Commandments. He never said that, of course, but that I claim he did. Uh, and so we have uh, a decline in the moral fabric of the country, arguably. We've had uh, economic weakness. The Federal Reserve has been dropping money out of airplanes or the equivalent of that uh, for the last several years and trying to push interest rates extremely low below their uh, normal rate or their, well, economists sometimes actually call their natural rate. And uh, so uh, money is cheap. People are able to go out and buy houses. And so, of course, house prices are soaring in America. Uh, I don't know if they're soaring in Athens. What do you think, Dave? I, I don't know. I haven't followed the local. Well, we're luckier than most. Yeah, we largely, that's another thing. But... We, we sort of are somewhat immune in Athens to some of these problems yeah. because we have this one university town thing that provides an element of stability plus a variety of governmental agencies that are here that have been here for years uh, that provide an element of a cushion against the ups and downs. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I'm doing all the talking, Dave. Well, you probably have important things to do, like commercials. No, no. I mean, we have a few, but uh, not during this show. We move them before and after. Let's let's talk about. Um, let's see here. You had, you gave me a good thought a moment ago, and I just lost it. Um, the oh, it was so good too. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, Okay. The I've never understood stock markets. We have stock market report daily on the air here. Um, I've I've just never understood all of that. Yeah. And, and yeah. The. Um, but it's an important part of the whole picture, right? Yeah, it is an important part, and we have had, uh, as you know, uh, enormous optimism, I guess you would call it, uh, uh, leading to these enormously high stock prices. And I have students who are 20 years old who, you know, the guys barely can shave. They've just started shaving. Uh <laughs> And their idea, you know, their idea of fun is aside from uh, 
fooling around with, uh, attempting to fool around with the opposite sex, is uh, these days they're into cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, oh, which yeah. I don't understand, Dave. Mercy, I don't either. Yeah, I don't either. I don't, let's not even go there. And, and, but they're buying stocks. And one guy, my kid who works for me, who's from Chillicothe, went to the branch campus over there, typical southeast Ohio boy, real nice kid. Uh, he, you know, he said, oh, I put $50 into Apple stock yesterday. I don't even know how you put $50 into Apple stock since the price of a share of Apple stock is considerably more than that. Uh, but, uh, and I made $8 yesterday. And I lost 14. So these kids are getting captivated by all of this. And uh, they, in a way, like people who go to Las Vegas get caught, uh, captivated by the casinos mm-hmm. or the racetrack by the horses. So, uh, so in one way, I think it's kind of healthy that people have shown an interest in our financial system. But there's a lot of superficiality to it and a lot of sort of boom mentality people say well you know if i just put some money in the stock market i'll get rich one of these days and sometimes they do sometimes they don't i finally remembered what i was going to do next i hope that would happen yeah the um you were talking about um, the energy costs yeah um what's that uh, power plant down there on the way to Gallup, please. Oh, yeah, I know. Which... Okay, so if you've driven by that recently, they they used to have huge mountains of coal. Yeah. I'm told those mountains don't exist anymore. Yeah, I'm sure that's the case. And yet you see all of these barges on the Ohio, <coughs> excuse me, on the Ohio River full of coal. And from people who live down there, they tell me it's being shipped to China. Oh, really? Now, that's that's troubling. Well, I talked to a coal mine operator yesterday, believe it or not, just coincidence, I guess, mm-hmm. who's on the OU Board of Trustees, uh, and... I was in Columbus meeting, eating breakfast with him, and uh, he says his business has been terrible. Although he says we have a big mine in Montana that's doing uh, is busy, and it, there was a hint there that that coal was going some of it to China. Uh, uh, the Chinese have become far and away the biggest users of coal in the world, and of course consumption in America has dwindled as we push these alternative energy sources. And uh, uh, this has caused a problem. Our, our region went through the problems 50, 75 years ago. It's not so much a problem anymore because there's not much coal left here. Uh, but in some places, including parts of West Virginia, for example, it's still a very serious problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, the coal mines went away. Well, what replaced it? Uh, some people are still asking that question. What has replaced it? In our region, what has replaced it? I've had great hopes and uh, for tourism to take off. We've got a drop-dead gorgeous area of the, not only the state of Ohio, but of the United States. Uh, we have great opportunities. It would be a great place for a uh, Greenbrier-type golf courses, or, I mean, upscale-type golf courses and golf resorts, resorts for wealthy people from the Midwest and the East to come vacation. Uh, we, uh, but we've been a little slow on the ta- uh, take, I think, there, to be honest, and uh, maybe I'm speaking out of turn here, Dave. I'm sorry. No. But that's what you get, given what you're paying me. You know, you get you get what you pay for. <laughs> well, we'll deduct a little for that. Yeah. Um, okay, so now you, you have served over the years on a number of important um, governmental uh, levels. And, and as an advisor, as a... As a a knowledgeable person inputting to their decisions. Now, um, 
See, I think you're currently involved in a number of them. For example, the American Enterprise Institute, right? I've been involved with a lot of so-called think tanks, mm-hmm. and that's one of them that I've been involved with, yeah. And now, um, the, the so in- what, what, what is it that organization particularly focuses on? Well, they, and there are others like them, the Brookings Institution, the uh, Cato Institute, uh, to pick a few, Heritage Foundation, to pick a few in Washington, D.C. They focus on all sorts of different public policy issues. Uh, Are we uh, following uh, AEIs? interested in a lot of foreign policy issues. Are we doing foreign policy right? And they tend to take a sort of a hawkish, conservative stand on issues. Dick Cheney used to work for them. And, uh, you know, he's kind of a hard-nosed guy. Uh, And um, so that's their emphasis. But they also have people uh, doing uh, uh, tax issues and policy uh that one of the top advisors to president trump when he was president was came from AEI. a couple of them did and uh so i you know i've worked with all of these people and uh the actual the guy dave that uh is in the news right now that i had interaction with believe it or not is vladimir putin mm-hmm. Because uh, I spent some time with him, uh, meeting with him. And he's one smart cookie. I mean, you may have disliked the guy, and I do in many ways. And you may say he is a, a, a menace to the human race, which may also be true. But he's smart. He's not dumb. And frankly, in a duel between him and Joe brought Biden. I wouldn't necessarily bet bet on Biden, uh, and I'm not particularly criticizing Biden. I'm just making the point that uh, Putin is a smart dude. Now, like they had a two-hour conversation on the telephone, what yesterday or the day before? Yesterday, I think it was. And, and, and what do you think they're talking about? Well, the usual. Uh, <laughs> the usual. <laughs> The usual is right now Russia Russia lost half of its empire. They never called it an empire. But when the old Soviet Union broke up uh, about 30 years ago, it's hard to believe it's that long, but yeah. it, it yeah. has been. 30 years ago when the Soviet Union Christian. broke up. Yeah. The, uh, the population of the old Soviet Union was 280 million people. The population of Russia today is less than 150 million. They lost almost half their people. So we, we're twice what they are. Yeah, we are. We're twice what In Russia, terms of population. Yeah, and it's amazing how much leverage, though, they get out of their smaller number of people because they do have these other countries right on their border that they terrorize and scare and threaten and often get away doing thing with Belarus uh, is uh, almost a Russian satellite it it has its independence Uh, Ukraine of course is the big one Ukraine is a country of 40 or 50 million people got a lot of it's got the it's the grain basket of Eastern Europe it's got a lot of grain and a lot of smart people it's a beautiful place I've been there of course Uh, Kiev the uh, capital is, uh, is one of the gems of the world, and no one ever talks about because it's poverty-stricken, because uh, it never uh, broke away from the Russian-Soviet yoke, and they don't have a free-flourishing capitalist society like we do here. They don't have markets working. But above all, there's this tension because half the people uh, uh yearn for Western values and being part of the West, more than half the people. But there is a subset of the population that has a Slavic origin and is Russian-based. And there's a religious interlay here that never gets picked up. Part of Russia is Catholic, part of it's Orthodox, part of it is Muslim. Well, (laughs) you got 
a mixture. Yes. And that usually causes uh, some problems. And so uh, Biden can put pressure on there while the Chinese are doing the same thing with Taiwan and while Iran the Iranians are uh, being mischievous, potentially mischievous again. So we have three places in the world, maybe more that you could, uh, maybe you're thinking of others that I am not thinking of, but three places in the world where any day now we could be in deep doo-doo or trouble just after we got out of Afghanistan at some great embarrassment to our nation. And so these are not particularly comfortable times in terms of international relations. Even though, By the way, that isn't my specialty, and I shouldn't be talking about it, but uh, you put me on the air. So you're, you, you're entitled to an opinion. You, just get, as... you get what you pay for, David. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, now, I, if people ask me, are you a Republican or a Democrat? My answer is I'm a Republican. Why? Because yeah. my parents were. That's a terrible reason, but it was the truth. Yeah. And um, I've held office, and um, but I think whatever this stereotypical Republican is is not me. No, it it uh, isn't that the truth. I'm a Republican too, for different reasons than you are. Uh, my fact, my I don't want to talk about my family but my well, why not my grandfather was chairman of the democratic party in michigan wow. uh, uh, and ran for governor and uh his brother my great uncle was elected the treasurer of the state of michigan three times uh democrats mm -hmm. uh moderately progressive democrats not i don't think as progressive as some of the democrats we see today but uh, certainly uh, a little bit to the left on the political spectrum. But I grew up, like you, Republican, and uh, I, but I consider myself a traditional kind of Republican. I suspect that's kind of what you think. I have many times voted for a Democrat. Yeah, and I have too. Uh, and, you know, we here we are in a, a town uh, that I jokingly call the People's Republic of Athens because okay. it's predominantly Democratic and... And we all have a lot of good Democrat friends. You, uh, you bet. Uh, Steve Patterson put me on a board for the city of Athens. I don't even live in the city of Athens. I'm not even a Democrat. But he put me on. Why? Because he thought I would, you know, be a, a good person to be on the board. Mm -hmm. And uh, I respect Steve, and he respects me. By the way, Steve will be on the air tomorrow. Oh, yeah. He's a great guy, and I think quite highly of him. You know, we have our differences. Don't we all? Don't sure. we all? Sure. So uh, uh, that's one thing great about a small town and why Athens is such a cool place is, for the most part, we get along pretty well in spite of these crazy differences uh, that uh, exist. You, you I'm, um, okay. How many presidents have you met? Well, let's define meet as being in the same room with them or in the same location where I at least saw them. The first one I met was Harry Truman. Oh, well. Yeah, you, I bet you weren't expecting that. No, not that far back. And that was in 1948. I was a young kid. But he was doing a, what they called a whistle-stop tour. He was running for president, and that's what people did in those days. Some other time, they got on a train, and they went from one city to the other and went to the rear of the train and spoke to the crowd and a, a little what they called whistle-stops along the way. So I went. I met, didn't meet Harry Truman. I was a long ways away, probably 75 feet from him or 100 feet. But I saw him. Same with Dwight Eisenhower, the next president. Same thing. It was a whistle stop in a different uh, train station, but it was a different political party. Uh, I then went a long time where I didn't meet presidents. I didn't meet Kennedy. I didn't meet Johnson, for example. 
But I not I met Nixon, and in fact, uh, I uh, did more than meet Nixon. I had my picture taken with Nixon. I talked to Nixon, and I had uh, interaction. And by the way, Nixon had nearly Athens County connections. He had his grandfather is buried in Vinton County. Wow. So, uh, and I used that once. I tried to get Nixon to come here. Say, come back to your roots. That didn't work very well. Uh, I knew, I met Carter, and I brought Carter to Athens. Um, uh, As a speaker, I was the chair of the Kennedy Lecture Committee and uh, uh, went down to uh, Georgia, uh, Plains, Georgia, to pick him up in an airplane that I promised we, the university would fly a jet down to pick him up, which discouraged uh, uh, Charlie Ping, the president a lot, since we didn't own a jet plane, but Mm. I promised we'd pick him up and went. We did, by the way. Uh, And uh, so Carter was here in Athens, a delightful visitor to Athens. Uh, I, uh, you know, I was in the same room and I'm with, in a sense, with Reagan. Uh, I, uh, in the, with the older Bush, the younger Bush and I got to know each other. I wouldn't say we weren't buddy buddies, but I, you know, I've been to their house, and uh, I've eaten breakfast with him at his library in uh, Dallas, and uh, I've done things for him. I've even received a paycheck from him. I worked for the George W. Bush Foundation or Institute or whatever it was called for a while. So I got to deal with him some. Uh, uh, the recent presidents, uh, less so. I, everyone thinks I was buddy-buddy with Trump, and although I, I, I was in the White House several times in the Trump years, I was never really a Trump intimate or anything. But, I, you know, I have my picture, and I'm in pictures in which Trump's in, too. Uh, so I guess that means I can count him as a president I know. Uh, I do not know Joe Biden. Uh, I'd like, you know, would like to meet him. Uh, who wouldn't like to meet a universe, uh, meet a, a national president? Uh, it's, uh, it would, these are important people. Nixon, Ford, and Reagan were mine. And, um, I do have photographs. And, um... So you got to meet Nixon or see him or yes, that's cool. The um, you know I was looking at uh, the the whole list of presidents, you know, and we've. It's amazing, to me. Since 1953, I remember. Um, so you know you can be president two terms. I guess there was one exception years ago, but anyway. Um, yeah, Roosevelt. One, two, three, four, five. Only five in the since 1953 have had two terms, two full terms. That's that's interesting. Now you know, of course, Kennedy was assassinated, so he didn't have a full. That's right. Um, he didn't even have one full term. No. Um. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, I just. Johnson Stat, uh, stats like that are always interesting. Yeah, to me. Johnson didn't make it through. Uh, yeah. uh, he gave up. Uh, I think the Vietnam War was part of his undoing. Uh, then uh, Nixon resigned. The mm. <laughs> one and only time in American history we've had that. Ford uh, didn't get it reelected. Jimmy Carter didn't get reelected. Reagan is a, one of the ones who continued. Uh, 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 the older Bush didn't, but uh, Bill Clinton, who was a masterful politician, uh, uh, some would say still is probably, Uh, uh, you know, he made it two terms. He uh, was getting beaten up pretty bad in the middle of his first term, Uh, so he sort of reinvented himself, and he came on with his sort of the day, you know, the era of big government is over in his State of the Union address in 1995, and uh, 
he sort of reinvented himself and uh, he, he pushed his wife aside a little bit from the health insurance programs of the time, which weren't going over well, because although Hillary was a very uh, uh, bright woman, uh, she is, wasn't particularly skillful politically, whereas Bill Clinton, could, you know, everyone loves Bill, Kent, uh, Bill Clinton. I'd love to go to a dinner party with Bill Clinton, because, uh, you know, he would be full of, interesting stories and jokes and uh, we'd have a lot of fun. He was very personal. Yeah, we'd drink a lot and just <laughs> misbehave. Okay. in a. So during your lifetime, you know, you, you've observed many presidents. You've worked with a few of them. Um, is there a president that has, um, and maybe it's even before your lifetime, Who, which president has impressed you the most? Oh, boy, Dave. You know, you're not, you're paying me quite a bit to be on this show, but not enough for me to answer that question. Really? Uh, no, no. Uh, the president in my lifetime that clearly, when you add it all up, made the most different and had the most skills was Ronald Reagan. And yeah. why was he? he? Well, you know, the fact that he was a movie actor, a lot of people poo-hooed that. Yeah, He's yeah. a movie actor. Well, that's the best background you can have to be a president because a president is an actor, you know, or an actress, although we haven't had that yet, but it will come soon. Uh, the president of the United States has to uh, uh, satisfy a huge constituency of very, very different kind of people in a way that inspires confidence. That is acting, and that's what Ronald Reagan was pretty darn good at. Uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt was very good at it. Different politics, uh, but he knew how to connect with people. He was kind of an aristocrat, wealthy guy, you know, uh, uh, but he somehow could connect with the people. Reagan had the same quality about himself. Uh, I think Lincoln probably did. I'm an old guy, but I'm not that old. I didn't know Abraham Lincoln. But you know, he, Abraham Lincoln gave the Gettysburg Address in three minutes and 20 seconds. Right. Now, that was a heck of a talk. For talk three, about succinct. Yeah, succinct, but powerful. Oh, yeah. And uh, we just don't get too many of those. So, and I'm, I'm a little worried that we're we're losing out on that these days. The politicians today, in order to get elected, they have to do all sorts of things, and they have to kowtow to various interests, and they have to raise money most of their time. And we're not maybe not getting as skillful as uh, candidates as we might have gotten 25, 50, 100, 200 years ago. I don't know. I think that's possible, though. Ten years ago, you and Stephen Moore published an article in the Wall Street Journal. Um, basically, Feed the Beast is how it was nicknamed. Um, explain why that caught so much attention. Well, Steve and I have done a, a number of things together. I'm not exactly sure which article that is, but the thing that he and I did a lot was the if you give the government a hundred more dollars say mm -hmm. uh, by uh, through taxes raising taxes will you reduce the budget deficit by a hundred dollars no will you reduce it by one dollar Probably not. The reason is the government, in order to get that $100 out of the taxpayers, has, has had to offend some people because they're raising their taxes. And to offset that politically, the politicians have to bribe the taxpayers with goodies of some sort, uh, benefits of some sort. And usually what Steve and I and our one, uh, and I had done it with some others before that, for every dollar in taxes, the government spends a dollar and a half, roughly. In other words, in order to 
reduce the political damages of raising taxes a dollar, you got to spend about a dollar and a half to, to offset that. And so we're actually worse off than we were. I mean, this is what Steve and I were arguing mm-hmm. and still argue, I think. I haven't talked to Steve in a, a couple months, so I, I don't know. But I think he would still agree with that. And um, so uh, th- that's a problem we have. Joe Biden, and I'm not trying to pick on President Biden. He says, well, we're going to raise taxes this way and that way to offset some of the spending we're going to do. Well, it's very problematic whether this program, full program that he wants to put in is going to happen or not. We don't know yet, really. But if it does, my guess is the fiscal consequences are going to be far different than what they're saying right now just because of that dynamic uh, uh, and uh, that people are um, offended by big tax increases and you know, look what's happened to President Biden's approval ratings. He came in above 50%. He was in the 50, 55% range there throughout the first half of, uh, of the year uh, and now they're down under 40 and of course Afghanistan made a part of the difference but it's uh, inflation has made some difference and the threat of higher taxes is scaring the heck out of a lot of people Uh, so his popularity has plummeted and so to get that back he's going to have to you know perhaps modify things a bit from what he planned and uh the, the Democrats, if they're smart, and uh, the pra- uh, pragmatic ones like Jim Carville uh, will say, you know, let's get back to planet Earth and, uh, you know, let's uh, not uh, scare the heck out of the people. And, uh, you know, when that happens, uh, maybe the, his popularity will come back up. So it's an well, interesting dynamic. We have about seven and a half minutes remaining. What do you think COVID has affected um, anything? <laughs> well, is there anything it hasn't? No, you know, COVID. Uh, as an economist, uh, it's ha- it had the predictable effects that when you close down large part of American business, you're going to have unemployment, you're going to have reduced incomes, you're going to have some problems. We went through that. And uh, the removal of those restrictions has led to revival. We haven't removed all those restrictions. Anytime you restrict human activity, you're going to have some negative consequences, and we have. I'm not a medical expert, so I don't know how to uh, calculate the cost and benefit ratios with respect to uh, health care re- regulations. The one uh, thing I, uh, I will say is I am modestly optimistic that uh, this Omicron variant and maybe others which will follow are leading that whole uh, disease to become more like the flu. And next year, I wouldn't be a bit surprised that we'll take COVID shots for the rest of our lives. Right. Uh, And just like we take flu shots. And uh, sure, (laughs) we may get sick, a few people may die, but it's not going to be the end of the earth. Uh, and I, I think we're moving in that direction. I hope so, anyway. You've um, written or co-written many books. Um, you've appeared on all sorts of media at all levels. Tell me, uh, Rich Vetter, what haven't you done but yet always wanted to do oh my you know Dave for a guy sitting in Athens Ohio you asked pretty penetrating questions uh, you know you you should have gotten a job in uh, New York working on the I've Jay, done, Jay Leno show or yeah something. I've done that oh, by the way I was on the Jay Leno show once that was probably <laughs> my finest hour uh, I was on the Jay Leno show, but Leno was making fun of me, uh-huh. and uh, uh-huh. th- that I never got over that. But uh, no, uh, you know, I th- there's some books that I wanted to write that I haven't written, and uh, there are a few places I've been 
haven't been where I wanted to. I've never got to Antarctica, and I was kind of kind of sorry about that because I have a friend who we are sort of friendly rivals when it comes to bragging about our travels, and he's been to Antarctica, and I haven't. So, uh, you know, I... But he's never been north of the Arctic Circle, and I have. So, <laughs> you know, we had Art Marinella. You know him. He's a, a fellow Rotarian Dave. Sure. And um, so uh, there's nothing huge in life that I haven't done uh, that I would have liked to have done. Uh, I've achieved most of my ambitions. Uh, I could have gone to some, quote, better universities, end of quote, uh, better in the sense that they have higher national reputations. Uh, I did visit one or two of them just to sh prove that I could do it. Uh, and I was offered permanent jobs uh, at a couple places that are prestigious and um, pay more even. But, you know, life is good in Athens. Uh, Absolutely. It is good. Do I... I lock my house when I go out at night, or but if I didn't, I expect it would still be there when I came home. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas I'm not sure that's true in <laughs> some cities in the United States. Of course. Well, um, so no, um, no burning desire to do something that you've not done yet. No, not really. You know, um, I, I think I'm in the same boat. I've I've had some amazing situations in my lifetime that I'm very proud of, and yet, um, is there something yet I want to accomplish? Uh, no, I'm very happy right here. Yeah, it's, it's a great place. And somehow, I don't know if it's our nostalgia for Athens that lead us to be biased that way, or whether we are, as a community, not doing a good enough job of getting the specialness of our place across to others. Uh, people in other small towns think they are living in the greatest city, too. I mean, there's nothing unique about that. But we do have some unique things here. Uh, we have a university. We have gorgeous uh, parks and so on. We have a lot of special things yeah. uh, that, that I'm not sure we uh, sell good enough so do you think um, the way our government is set up and we've only got a minute and a half it is impossible to fail completely uh, well I hate to say never to anything mm -hmm. and you I, I, I there are days I'm pessimistic and I, you know I, I, you may have heard me give a talk the other day I the, the American century was the last 50, 75 years. Uh, we've dominated the world. But before that, the British dominated the world. Before that, the Romans dominated the world once. Maybe our time has come to an end. Maybe it is time, or will be time, whether we like it or not, for the Chinese to take over, or the Indians to take over leadership of our world. But we have a remarkable resilience, a ability to bounce back uh, historically, and I don't, I haven't given up on us yet. <laughs> I think we could do it again, so we'll see. Well, I haven't given up either, and um, I'm I'm proud to be an American. Ditto. Well, listen, uh, as always, we appreciate you coming by, and and by all means, if. Uh, something comes about that's of interest to you particularly and you think it'd be interesting to share with our audience let me know yeah i will dave you're welcome anytime yeah will do folks uh tomorrow uh the mayor of athens uh steve patterson joins us uh, he does that nearly monthly and um so that's tomorrow scott anything on your agenda um moments okay other than remember to um, donate to the athens county children's services that's right as we want to remind people during this holiday and christmas season uh remember the children please. let me let me repeat that uh, children's services athens county uh, there's um, some of them out there without uh, 
parents, and we need to uh, keep them in mind uh, as the holiday approaches. All right. Um, Friday of free-for-all. So, um, folks, take care out there, and um, I think it's going to warm up a few degrees. In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WATH This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. Pfizer's announced hopeful findings on the efficacy of its COVID vaccine on the newest variant. When coupled with boosters, the drug manufacturer says a lab study shows it neutralizes Omicron, but a two-dose regimen is less effective. CBS's Dr. David Agus. About 25% of adults in the United States now have received this booster, and the numbers are going up significantly. The Omicron has pushed people to be vaccinated and get that booster, which in many respects is a positive. Instagram CEO Adam Mosiri will appear before a Senate panel today, hoping to convince lawmakers his platform is doing all it can to protect young social media users. But Connecticut Democrat Richard Blumenthal isn't having it. Not only do they know that their destructive content is driving kids down these rabbit holes to eating disorders and self-harm, even suicide, but they're profiting from it. Yesterday, Instagram announced a new feature that will urge teenagers to take breaks when they've been scrolling for long periods of time. Vladimir Putin is putting his spin on yesterday's virtual call with President Biden. He says the talks were open and constructive, but the Russian leader calls suggestions his country is planning to attack Ukraine provocative. A case of mistaken identity in France. Police say they've released a man with the same name as a suspect in the murder of a Saudi critic. Correspondent Elaine Cobb from Paris. The Paris prosecutor has confirmed that the man detained at the airport yesterday is not the man wanted in connection with the 2018 murder of Saudi journalist Jamal Khashoggi. The man has now been released and is free to travel. A new political day has dawned in Germany. CBS's Vicky Barker is at the foreign Olaf Scholz. The moment Olaf Scholz was confirmed as Germany's new chancellor, watching from the visitors' gallery, Dr. Angela Merkel. Sustained applause for the woman who led Europe's biggest economy for 16 years. Merkel's center-right government now replaced by a new 